Welcome to the Coco Express, part of the Blog Talk Radio Network. Your host on the Coco Express is Aurelia Lyles. She's all about keeping it real. Great guests, interesting topics, so get on board. Listen, learn, live. Good evening, and thank you for joining the Cocoa Express Show Network. As many of you know who are frequent listeners to our particular lineup, it is the first Wednesday of the month, and that means it's time for Relationship Remedies for Us with Dr. Linda Wiley and Hank Stewart. Please sit back and enjoy. It's about me. It's about you. It's about us. It's about relationship remedy with Dr. Linda Owens Wiley and Hank Stewart. Join us. Hey, peace and blessings. This is Dr. Linda Wiley. Welcome to Relationship Remedies, the place to discuss hot topics related to the health of your relationships. So bring us your questions, your concerns, and your comments, and most of all, please bring an open mind. As always, I'm joined by a man who is an author, a poet, my friend and co-host, and actually, ladies, he is real good to look at. I just thought I'd throw that out there. A man who brings a little extra flavor to the conversation. He goes by the name of Hank Stewart. What's up, Hank? How you doing, beautiful? How you doing? I'm doing well. It's good to be back on with you. I know, because last month you had a prior engagement. I had to hold it down without you. That's okay. But it just feels like it's been such a long time since we had an opportunity. Yeah. So what's going on in the world of Hank Stewart? What kind of things do you have going on, coming up, all of that? Fill us in. Well, got a lot going on. Uh, Next weekend here in Atlanta uh, on the planning committee, and I'm extremely excited about uh, uh, our first, uh, you can't call it an annual because it's your first, but our first uh, my brother's keepers initiative. Uh, the president has a, um, you know, challenged us to uh, be our brother's keepers, and so uh, in DeKalb County, we're putting on our very first brother's keepers initiative. We got over, we're expecting over 2,500 young people uh, wow. and parents and parents as well uh, to really just talk about some of the challenges that our young people are facing. Uh, we actually have Congressman Hank Johnson, who's going to be on the panel. Uh, uh, the national president of Noble National Association of Black Elected Officials, I mean, Black uh, Law Enforcement. Uh, we actually have uh, several people, and um, I'm not supposed to say this loud, so I'll say T.I. is supposed to show up. <laughs> uh, and just a whole whole bunch of folk, you know, so we really just need to kind of dig into what's going on with our children um, and, you know, law enforcement, education, just a whole lot of things. And then a couple months from now, well, i got a bunch of gigs, but a couple months from now um, it's my White Linen, 14th Annual White Linen Affair, which you will be a part of. So we're extremely wow, excited it's been about 14 that. years already? 14th Annual. Next year, oh, wow. next year, Doc, I'll be celebrating 25 years of support, 15 years for White Linen, and 10 years for my foundation. So we've got a lot going on, just a lot of good That's things. amazing, amazing. Yeah. Well, I want to thank you for including me again. I participated in all of your White Linen previously, so thank you for including me again. Give them the date of the White Linen this year. It's July the 31st through August the 2nd, uh, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. It's really a nonstop party. So we we party for about about 50 straight hours and ending mm-hmm. uh, kind of going into uh, uh, and we close it with uh, a, a Sunday morning worship with uh, Judge Penny Brown Reynolds. So a lot of celebrities, a lot of um, uh, educational workshops. We do a, an event for our, our kids, the foundation kids. They have their own white linen affair. We give them about a fifteen, about a $10,000 budget. They put their own white linen uh, program on. So it's just a lot of just the whole deal, and it's an $89 room rate if you want to stay over. It's at the um, uh, Marriott on Century Center in it, um, on um, 85, so it's in Atlanta. So it's just going to be a lot more. I'll give you a little bit more next month and then even in the yeah. following month, but it's just a, it's building to be something really big. That's good. I'm so happy for your success. I can't believe it's been 14 years already. And I'm also really pleased to hear you talk about the My Brother's Keepers initiative. I think I saw a flyer of that 
on uh, Facebook. That one is, is really appealing to me as well. And, you know, it kind of ties in with what we're talking about tonight because tonight's topic is the journey from boys to men, mothers raising sons. And there's so much going on with our young people today that I think we really do need to stop and take a look at who's raising the children and how well are we doing at raising the children because, as we know, it takes a village. And many times we have uh, single-parent households, folks trying to hold it down, keep a job, raise kids at the same time, and it's time for the rest of the community, our community, to step up and support one another with this. So this month we're going to be looking at um, Mothers Raising Sons because Mother's Day is coming up. Next month with Father's Day we'll kind of do the same thing but flip it and we'll talk to fathers who are raising daughters. So um, I do want to, since Mother's Day is this coming Sunday, May 10th, I want to make sure that we say, you know, an early happy Mother's Day to all the mothers out there. Congratulate them on a job well done. Being a mother is a difficult task. So thanks to all those moms who are doing what they can to raise our future sons and daughters. And, you know, in in thinking about moms, I I did a little bit of of research looking at mothers. Um, Do you know that there are 43.5 million moms in the United States? And when you look at those numbers, four out of every ten kids are born to unwed mothers. So that's almost half. Almost half of our children in the U.S., and this is across races, almost half of our children are born to unwed mothers. And then one in four kids under the age of 18 are raised without a father. And that number comes out to be like 17.4 million children under the age of 18 are raised without a father. And then another statistic I found is that 83% of all single-parent families are headed by women. So about 17% of single-parent families, there's the man and the children, but in 83%. They're headed by women, and two-thirds of those women are white, which kind of breaks that myth, too. They're two-thirds of them are white, one-third black, about a quarter Hispanic, and then other nationalities make up the remainder. So, you know, part of the reason for talking about it is because we have to connect the dots. Everything is related, and when you think about the fact that women still, on average, make less than men to perform the same work, when, even when they've got the same. Making less money means that they're not as able to put food on the table. There are health care issues. They, many of them live below the poverty level. They live in areas where education may not be up to par. And so all of these things are connected. And when you have people who are living perhaps substandard lives based on the rest of the country, some of the behavior that comes out of that is what we're seeing the aftermath of in society today. So I know with your foundation and things like My Brother Keepers, there are efforts to improve upon that. And I applaud people like you with your foundation for working with kids to try to give them some of the support that they may not get, particularly if they're coming from a single-parent household and especially one that's, that's headed by a woman. Well, you know, um, it, this, this, might be the, this might be the show that you hang up on me on. Um, another one. I, I, another one. Yeah, this is. Yeah, it's getting. It's getting. They're coming a little bit more frequently now. Um, but, but I think we're gonna have to really, really, really thought, look in the mirror. You know, both male and female, African American, particularly our, our community. We really got to look in the mirror uh, because a lot of the problems that we're facing in our community are self-inflicted. Yeah. And what I mean, and what I mean by that, you know, the young lady who feels like a biological clock is ticking out, you know, the time is running out, and so she settles. But she settles with a man that she knows no good because he's been showing him he's no good the whole time. You know, he's been he's been absent. You know, he's been he's not been there. Uh, he has two kids, and you found out he had two additional kids, and you still want to have a child with him. He's not there for his children. You know, we got to stop, you know, look, and I'm not just blaming females. You know, men, we, we got to stop walking around impregnating women. And and um, and I want to close with a piece, if you would allow me to, a piece that's called I'm MAD. And MAD mm-hmm. is uh, an acronym for making a difference. Um, but we, we've got to, uh, we've really got to look in the, in, in the mirror at ourselves because I, I just I so agree. much. Some of the stuff is, is self-inflicted. A lot of it is. I'm not talking I about agree. mothers who. I'm not talking about mothers who the husband passed. 
You know, I'm not right. talking about the, you know, the ones, but I'm saying there are too many situations where men are walking away from the homes. I always tell people I love my son more than I dislike my ex. Mm. Versus versus disliking my ex more than I love my son. Right. You get two totally right. different results, dog. You know that. If you love your child more than you dislike your ex, even a broken clock is right twice a day. That's so if, exactly right. So when you when you love your son or your daughter more than you dislike your ex, even your ex can come up with good ideas and you're still willing to hear from hear them. But when exactly. you dislike Oh wait, I'm sorry. No, I'm gonna say you're exactly right. And so so you will make allowances to allow that ex to have some say, have some input. You'll do things that are best for the child, even if it means you have to be in the presence of the ex because your focus exactly is right. on the child, not on the ex. And I agree with what you're saying. I do think that many, not all, but I do think that many of our uh, circumstances are, I think, uh, heightened by our own behavior. I still, and I know you'll agree with this, I still know that there is institutionalized racism out there. I still Mm -hmm. know that, you know, people of color are not paid as well as whites on average. I know that people of color are not given the same job opportunities and opportunities to live in the same neighborhoods and on and on and on. So there's still institutionalized racism out there, which is why I do the diversity and inclusion education and training that I do. But I agree with you that we make, our own circumstances even worse many times, which, again, links back to the whole thing about single parents because part of the reason why these young girls find it so fashionable now, they're not always young girls. I mean, sometimes they're grown women, find it so fashionable to have babies. Some people just out of their own uh, selfish desires say, well, I know I don't have a man, I don't have a husband, but I want a child. And so without thinking about some of the impact that it might have on that child, what many of them do was just go out and intentionally um, get pregnant so that they can bring a child into the world. And so when that child grows up without a father figure, so for a young woman, if she doesn't have a father to, to see how a man and a woman are supposed to interact and to know the love of a man in the right kind of way, she's constantly running behind men to fill that void. And for, you know, the young men, Similarly, when they don't have a a man to see how a responsible man is supposed to behave and treat a woman, then, again, the same kind of things happen. So, yeah, our behaviors are making it worse, but a lot of it goes back to the fact that we've got single parents. We've got one individual doing what God intended for two people to do together, Mm -hmm. and those two people bring different skill sets to the table. So you could be the best darn mother in the world, but you don't know how to be a father. And that's and, why and it's here, so important that we talk about And think this. about that. And think about that. And so now what you just what you just showed, and so here's a male child who the mom is the head of the house, taking care of the house, and that male child is laying up and all that stuff. So he's not it's nothing unusual for a woman to take care of him. Because yep. he didn't see the male, he didn't see the father at home getting them going to work, cutting the grass and all that stuff. So we wonder why some of our young men are so lazy and can accept. Like, for instance, it bugs the hell out of me to to see men sit in the car while a woman is pumping gas or to mm. see a woman, you know, doing some doing, – there's some things. I, I'm, maybe I'm just too still old-fashioned, but, you know, there are certain things. Unless that sister's out there cutting grass because she's trying to get a workout in, ain't no way in hell a man should be in the house while a woman is doing anything that's uh, that type of manual labor outside or, you know, and things of that nature. Or, you know, just the simple fact of seeing a man, a young lady and a young man walking on the, the sidewalk and the man is on the inside and she's on that. I mean, it's just so many things yeah. that, you know, that we have, we could, that fathers can teach their son. But if they are not around and when, when that, yep, that male child grew up in a house with just a woman and he's home laying up, looking at cartoons, and mama's doing their thing, feeding him, bringing him his food, and da da da. It's not unusual when he becomes a man to be okay with a woman working. Exactly. He he develops certain expectations. Exactly. So the same way exactly. he laid around and his mom took care of him when he grows up and he gets into a house with a wife, he's expecting that wife to do the same sorts of things. And I often tell women when they complain about, you know, they'll talk about no good, lazy, shiftless men, yada, yada, yada. It's like, okay, well, if you have, what are you doing to make sure that they're not going exactly. to repeat that pattern, you know, don't always cook the meals for them, do their laundry and and things of that nature. Make sure that they know how to take care of themselves and that they do take care of themselves. And so really what it brings me back to then is, you know, how effectively 
can a woman raise a man? Because if we think about it and we talk about what makes a man, you know, I started looking for, like, definitions and things. And one that I thought was interesting just because it really says nothing is it says a man is an adult male human being who shows qualities that men are supposed to have. That really is not a definition. I was surprised mm-hmm. it was in a dictionary because it doesn't tell you anything. And what are those qualities and who says what qualities men should have, et cetera. So, you know, when when we think about it, I think that's one of the things that, we've lost is just understanding what is the definition of a man. And I think some of those things that you just said are good examples of that. You know, someone who um, steps up and does manual labor so that a woman doesn't have to. Someone who works outside the home so that he can provide the essentials for his family. I mean, there are a number of things. Someone who is strong, who is courageous. The list could go on and on, but there are some things that I think we need to get back to basics on. And some might say that some of the stuff you describe is old-fashioned, maybe, but I think there are certain things that are just standard and they need not disappear just because this is 2015. Mm, I totally agree. We we yeah. we really need to look in the mirror. But you know what scares me, Doc? What really scares me right now is that we've, um, you know, a, a child who was a, a, a young person who was born in 1990, we called it, remember we used to call that the lost generation. Remember that mm, we called that generation yeah. the lost generation. And if, if you from 90, if you were born in 1990, late 80s, 90s, right now you're 25, could be 30 years of age, okay? Mm-hmm. We called that the lost generation, and we thought that lost generation was going to go on some island and die. But what they did do, now they're procreating, and now they're the parents. And so yeah. if they were lost, if they were lost, how do you rear Children with vision, <laughs> you know exactly. what I mean. And so it's you getting really worse. So, so we got right. We've got lost parents that are raising no, lost parents. children. Is exactly that right? Yeah. And, and, yeah. and and we are, and we're not showing them the proper relationships. And I don't mean to turn this show into a a damper. Um, I'm, I'm just saying that I think both men and women, until we all look in the mirror, the thing, I, I once heard I've never been. Uh, I've never been in a rehab for for substance abuse or alcohol or anything, you know. Um, but but I've I was always told that the first step to recovery is admitting there's a problem. And we you know you were in rehab. Really, you know you were in rehab when I was well, not, not for that. You can't say that. You can't say that. You know you were in rehab for that. Okay, you can't say that. Come that's not usually. Don't talk about that one. That I said right. for okay. alcohol. I, you know, I was very specific about the things that I said people go to rehab for: <laughs> I, alcohol, I money, gambling, no, alcohol and drugs and gambling, all that. Yeah, but, you know, they said no. It just sent the brother into a loop. But anyway, go ahead. But I thought I was over that. Now you bring it back memories. Okay, now now I forgot what I was talking about. So you have to give me a couple minutes. I'm about to mute my phone and uh, and try to get myself together. <laughs> I apologize. But, but, but we we you know, but it, the real thing is really understanding that we have a problem, and until we admit as a people that we have a problem, we're not going to get any better. Until I, if I'm continuing to looking at what Dr. Linda Wiley is doing wrong versus what Hank Stewart is doing wrong, you know, I'm you know, until I quit looking out the window and look in the mirror, then we're going to continue. Mm-hmm. Have, we're going to it's going to get worse. It's going to get exactly. worse, and, and so. I'm just and trying we all to really have change to come that together as village. Yeah, we got to come together exactly. as a village to do this. It's mm-hmm. not something that an individual can do alone. So I do. Let me, in case anybody listening wants to get in on the count three one nine again three four seven six three seven two three one nine. We're talking about the journey from boys to men, mothers raising sons. And so, if you've got an opinion, if you have advice, if you have a story to tell, then feel free. And in fact. Um, we're going to talk about some of the things that people have said make a real man. We're going to talk to some mothers who are raising sons, and we'll do that right after our producer, Aurelia, uh, introduces this song by Quincy Jones.
you know, that message was very timely when Quincy produced it, and it's still very timely today. Um, and that's what we have to do is just start looking towards the future, start looking towards tomorrow. So we're going to shift the conversation a little bit and be joined by a couple of guests. We have Lois from Atlanta, and we have Art from Chattanooga, two moms who have raised and in some cases case is still in the process of raising sons. So, Lois, welcome to the show. Hello. How are you? I'm just fine. How's everyone? Good. Doing good. Thank How you are you, Lois? Joining good. Us. Yeah. Thank okay. you, Lois. And Art, are you there? Art, welcome to the show. Can't hear Art. Are you there? Okay, really, I'm having a little difficulty hearing art, so if you could work on that one for us. But, Lois, let's just start with you. And so um, you have two sons, correct? Yes, I do. I have two sons, age 18 and 22. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so what were some of the memorable moments that you uh, recall in terms of raising your two sons? Well, I, I think some of the memorable moments is just um, – you know, I, I want to reflect back on a statement that uh, Brother Hank made earlier about making a choice to love your sons more than you like them, love your children more than you dislike the ex. Um, the memorable moments I say in the challenges in terms of raising my sons were just mm-hmm. going to the dating, the dating part when they got a little older, and then learning uh, uh, when they were getting to the ages of sixth, seventh grade, and and trying to teach them how to do what I consider the manly things, you know, changing your oil and how do you change your oil, change a tire. I was like, I don't know how to do those things. How am I going to teach my boys how to do the manly things? And my choice was to reach out. You know, it, it goes back to the whole concept of taking a village to range a tile, and, and that was the decision that I, I had to go to reach out to their coaches, uh, you know, making sure that, at an early age, uh, my brothers were in sports. So because of that upbringing, I wanted to make sure that my boys were in some type of competitive sport. Therefore, they could teach that, get that kind of raw edge in terms of of, of being able to get up and, and make their decisions in that competitive edge. I think there's something to be said about getting boys involved in that whole um, uh, area of sports because there's some testosterone that's that's being generated in them that you as a mother can't really handle at a certain age. And when you get them involved in be it basketball, football, cross country, tennis, whatever it is where they can get out there and release that energy, then that is something that when they come home, they're so tired and you're not going to have to deal with any other testosterone issues as a mom and, and raising, raising two, two boys. And that was from my, my case there. So the number yeah. one is, teaching them the manly things, and then the dating, when they got to the age of dating. So before we go to the dating, I'm I'm going to uh, go to Hank for a minute because my boys play sports as well, and I just want to know from a man's perspective, in addition to what Lois mentioned about getting the testosterone out, what are some of the benefits that boys glean from sports? Because that is one thing that if a mother is raising sons, definitely you want to make sure you get those sons involved in some kind of sports activity. So what are some of the things that, that young men get out of playing sports? If if you have the right coaches, what they do is they apply life to sports, uh, not giving up, not quitting, you know, giving mm-hmm. it your best, um, working hard, studying hard, you know, playing hard. If you get the right coaches, the coach that really understands and really trying to develop this young man into being a, a, a quality citizen, he's talking to them more than about football, baseball, or basketball, or hockey, or golf, or whatever. He's te- he's trying to equate some some of those examples to life experiences. Yeah, you know, that's good. there's gonna that's be a, there's gonna be a time there's gonna be a time that you won't win. Now the real quick is will you just roll over and die? Will you get up and go in and give it your best the next game? You know, mm. that's life. Some jobs yeah. you won't get, some tests some tests you won't pass, but you yeah. don't quit. 
you know, um, you know, if if he's, if you got a good t- coach, he talks about teamwork, how you work with others, you know, mm-hmm. and 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 you know, and and helping your brother, helping that person who is not as strong as you are, because now because no individual wins on a on a team, it's the team that wins. So if you got a good coach, they're teaching you life. Yeah, that's good. And you know, there are certain things that that boys learn, of course that girls don't, and I don't mean like in the sports arena, because certainly nowadays more and more girls are playing organized sports, and that's a good thing because they're getting some of those same life lessons you talk about. But just the whole art of negotiating and things like that, I had a recent experience related to employment, and there were some tips that three of my male friends said to me um, all around negotiating that did not occur to me. And I think many times women are afraid of hearing no, but brothers hear no all the time. And one of the examples that was given to me was, think about, you know, at a party, at a club, at a whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, you got to, a man's got to look across the room and see who's likely to say yes when I approach her for dancing. And if she says no, how am I going to handle that and go to the next woman or the next woman, that kind of thing. So, so y'all get used to hearing no, and so you negotiate better because you don't mind hearing no. Women, on the other hand, we don't do some of that. So if you're afraid of hearing no and afraid of negotiating, that's something else. That's a great life skill that you can't then pass on to a son that you might be raising. So, Lois, before you talk about dating, let me see if uh, we can hear Art now. Art, are you there? I'm still not hearing her. Anybody else hear Art? No, I, I don't hear her Okay. Either. All right. Well, no. tell me not something is wrong. So let's go then, Lois. You also talked about um, you talked about dating. What were some of the challenges that you faced there helping your young man get ready for dating? Well, well, the whole concept of dating, one of my things is that um, I didn't feel that I should finance your romance. And what I hmm. mean by that <laughs> was that if you felt that you were old enough to date, and my thing for the boys in dating was, hey, 16, and people may have thought, hey, that's a little bit too late in life for boys to be dating. But I was like dating, okay. I, they would go to group little sessions maybe when they were 15 or so like that. But uh, when it was a one-on-one boy and girl going to the movie or whatever little date, uh, my thought was if you consider yourself old enough to want to take a young lady out on a date, then you should be able to old enough to be able to finance that date. So I made a little rule of I'm not financing your romance. And I didn't want the concept of mama reaching into her pocket to give you $20 or whatever it is to take this young lady to the movie or out mm-hmm. to dinner or what have you. You need to be able to to finance that situation yourself. So they had to get out there and hustle, do whatever they had to do to make that money so they can get the popcorn or take it to the movies. Now, uh, yeah. the whole concept, yeah, so that was one of the things and the whole point of dating was the finance. There were other things in terms of whole dating uh, from a man's point of view where I had to go out and seek information and let my young men talk to men that I felt that would give them good godly advice about how to treat a woman. I knew yeah. as, a, as, a, as a woman how I wanted to be treated. And, and, you know, one of the things in their dating, you know, think about this young lady. How are you going to, you know, talk to her, you know, because if you the same that you want to talk to a young lady, you want to get that same level of respect that you would give to your mother if you want to get to that young lady. So keeping those thoughts in their mind, okay? See, and I like that a lot. I'm going to go back to the, the finance one. That was some real good advice because I don't blame you. You know, what did you say? I'm not financing your romance. I mean, that was really good because, again, if you think back to some of the things we were talking about earlier on, what mindset are you establishing? So if if your son were to get comfortable with a woman financing his romance, then what expectations would he possibly have of women that he would date in the future? He would not be relying on himself to, you know, spend money to take her out, show her a good time, but would constantly be relying on the woman to, to kind of fund her own. And, again, I'm not saying that, you know, if two people are casually dating, I'm not saying that a woman shouldn't pick up the tab sometime. I'm not saying that they can't split the tab sometime. But still, there needs to be an expectation of that man that if I ask you out, then I'm going to take you out and I'm going to be paying for this evening. And if she steps up to do something different, then that's good. But, you know, if he asks her out, he ought to be prepared to pick up the bill. And then I think it's, it's wise, too, that you let them talk to 
other men because, you know, rather than you be the go-between and there's some third party, it's good to let them step up, talk to a man, ask whatever questions they might have. And, again, that goes back to the whole village thing. So if your father is not in the picture, who are some good, reliable, godly men that can give you good, reliable, godly advice and, and you be able to talk to them not only up front to find out what do I do when a situation occurs, but also to maybe go back to them and say, hey, here's something that happened. How do I handle this particular situation? So, and I want to tell I you know. something. Let me, let, me, let me jump in here and say something, yeah, too, though. And the, and, the other, and the other thing, and I'm sure I'm not, you know, I'm preaching to the choir, talking to the both of you, but the other thing that women really need to understand the the best example for a man is a woman to be a, his mama to be a woman to be a lady. Wow. We, that's good. That's, that's the good. best Say advice. That Explain that the, one. the best the best advice a young man can have about a woman is his mama being a lady. Mm. If it because we because eventually we might want to play with something over here, but eventually we going back. If that if our mama if we don't see our mama a whole mm-hmm. bunch of men running out the house. If we don't see our mama cursing and, and just going off and da-da-da, and it might have happened once or twice, and you knew you were in trouble if that happened, but it shouldn't be the standard. That shouldn't right. be who she is, the, the profanity. You know, if if she does, if he doesn't see her talking about other women, you know, just a lot of the stuff. You know, when we were growing up, you couldn't be in the same room, you know, um, with, with your parents when they were having adult conversations. You know what I mean? That's right. And so we saw we saw our moms and our dads do things differently. I mean, they not saying they didn't do it, but we didn't see it. You right. know, it was not in front of us. And today, that's not the case. We do everything. I was at a school one day, and um, and uh, a young lady was getting ready to be suspended, and the mom came up there, and the young lady was talking to her mom like she was talking to her girlfriend. There was you couldn't tell the difference the difference wow. between the mom and the child. Now, whether she was wrong or right, whether she was wrong or right, that child was still a child. You understand my point? It was a high school, yeah. but she's still a child. And so we, right. we have, we have, we have uh, I think one of the things that disturbs me the absolute most is that we're really making our kids grow up too fast. We, we, yeah, you know, and, they, and we want to be friends with our kids, which bothers me. It is, I am not your friend. We can be friendly. We can have a great relationship. We can do things that friends do. But I'm mom, and I don't care how old you get, I'm always going to be mom, and there's a certain amount of respect that goes along with that. I mean, my mom is still alive, thank God, and to this day there's a certain amount of respect that I need to give her because she's mom. My son is 22 years old, and, and, and you talk about that level of respect, is that I, I just don't feel comfortable going to a, a, a bar and sitting down having a drink at a bar with my son because that was something uh, I just felt like, you know, at, at 22, I'm still your mom. I'm not your friend. If you want to go have a drink with somebody at the bar, then maybe that's, you know, you get a friend to do that. So establishing that whole mom-friend relationship and making sure that they understand those lines, and those lines are very, very clear, has to go really at an early age. One of the things in terms of that respect, the respect that as a young boy really, really must have for his mother. And if we as mothers, if you're out there and you're dating and all that, have to be very careful what that young man sees when he sees you dating. If he's seeing a man come out of your room, and he sees that man, and you think that little boy is three, four, five, six, seven, eight, and he really doesn't know what's happened. That young man knows. You never want to put a situation where you're going to see allow that young man because when he gets to be that teenager, he'll go back and say, "Wait a minute, what were you doing?" My and you don't want mm-hmm. to even have that conversation happen. So exactly we just, right. You don't even want that conversation to happen. So we have to be very careful what we allow our young men to see and how we uh, we, we perform in front of them, you know. Yeah, and, and that is so true. And, you know, I don't, I don't know because I did not listen in detail, but I'm reminded of um, recently the situation in Baltimore where the mother saw her son protesting, throwing the rocks at the police and went over and grabbed him, snatched him up. There's been a lot of talk back and forth about You know, did she do the right thing? Was she over the top? All that kind of stuff. But 
that just Hell that yeah. image just Hell came yeah, to she mind. Did the right thing. Oh yeah, Hell she yeah, did she the right did. thing in mind too. <laughs> that image came to mind just as you were speaking, Lois, because again, it's that same kind of thing. I have no idea of where his dad is or if dad is in his life, but that's the kind of stuff we're talking about. Things would be so much different now if we would step up with respect to the way we raise our sons. Go ahead, Hank. I know you had something to say about that. Well, and the way we raise our children. You know, yeah. because it's more than just our sons, you know, and I think we, we're examples all the way around. You know, the way a, the way a father treats a lady, you know, a daughter looks at that. You know, I mean, I think uh, there I've I've heard and heard people who were abused say they, you know, they look for abuse in the person they were dating because they, that's what they saw at the house. They thought love oh, yeah. had was oh, yeah, uh, love a had a, now, we're, had we're a fish behind it. We'll probably get more of that next month when we talk about raising the daughters. We'll probably so mm. save some of that because next month when we talk about the the fathers raising. Well, daughters, you know, I can't remember so that, that long. Write it down. You know, my memory is not that long. So, so. we'll write it down for you. So that was quite the reason why I was focused on on the sons. I mean, you make a good point. It is in terms of how we raise our sons and our daughters. But yeah, where you know, when when it comes to the son, and that man is supposed to grow up to be the head of the household, the leader of the family. Yeah, she did the right thing by stopping it. And I remember back in the day growing up, it might have been any one of your neighbors who might have run up and done that. Nowadays, you can't do that. But, again, it goes back to who's in your village. So your village may not include your next-door neighbor, but your village ought to include some really close people that you trust so that, you know, if, if you see somebody's kids out there doing something, maybe you wouldn't have used the same tactic that the mom used, but you would have done something to intervene, and that's the kind of stuff that we need to be doing. So if you want to join in on our conversation, if you have something to add, you want to disagree, you have questions, the number to call is 347-637-2319. I was looking on the Internet today, and I came across some things that uh, were descriptive. It was on a a website, something I think called Real Man or something, and um, they had the top eight things that make a man a man. I don't necessarily agree with them. I'm just sharing them because I want us to talk about them. So I'm going to do like they do on the, some of the, the late-night TV shows. We'll start with number eight and work our way to number one. So number eight, a real man can defend himself. What do you think about that, Hank? And that depends on what you call defense. You know, I mean, because just fighting, well, it depends on how, what you call defend. Mm-hmm. Uh, defending, defending really could be walking away so you can live another day with your family. Exactly. So you didn't fight. You didn't fight. Now one time you walked away, but now your children have you the whole time versus you sitting there fighting with a grown man and somebody pull out a gun and you dead. Did you win? Exactly. Or, or the person who shot the person goes to jail. Uh, you did. You you won because you're the one living, but no, you're not there for your family. You know, so uh, it depends and on what, how you uh, how you how you grade winning. I'm so glad that you said that because I think what a lot of our young men in our community today believe that defending yourself is who's carrying the biggest piece, who's got the best knife, who's got, you know, and it's not about that. You know, anybody can can pick up a weapon. Sometimes, as you said, defending yourself is walking away from ignorance and stupidity. Or sometimes defending yourself is having some knowledge and some intelligence about you so that you can respond verbally. You know, when our kids are little, we always tell them, use your words, and then they get big and they forget about that. So I agree. It depends on how you define defend. I do think that a real man can defend himself, but defending yourself does not necessarily mean putting a bullet in somebody else. You know, I'm on tonight. I'm, I had some corn chips before the show started. I'm doing real good tonight. <laughs> I know you made a couple of good comments. You haven't, you haven't passed out on me yet. Right, so. Look, here, look, look. Make sure you note know this because she don't. She normally don't give me credit for my good, my good comments. And come on and now. I, I See, now, really, you wanna, really hard. now you want to make it seem really like hard. you make all Go kinds ahead. of good comments. All right, I know, but well, I'm on, I'm three for three tonight, so three or four for four, something like that. He, he gonna run okay. out soon, Lois. Don't worry about it. Here's All right, right, number seven. Number seven is keep his house in order. Lois, I'm, I'm gonna let you speak first on that one because I know you taught those boys about keeping the house in order. So, what what's your thought about that? The real man knows how to keep his house in order. Well, I think in terms of keeping your house in order, we're talking about the cleanliness in terms of just yeah. Making that one of the things that um, I did was uh, my boys had a list of chores, and 
And those chores that were on the list, you didn't get paid. I didn't give allowances. Maybe I was a little bit too stingy. Um, you had to work outside those chores to get a little extra in terms of money, okay? Uh, your I chores agree. were That's what you're supposed to do. So you're not getting paid for doing the chores because you're supposed to do that, okay? And then in terms of uh, the whole concept that Brother Hank made earlier, if you come in and your child is, is laying up and then that and what have you, and then you wonder why when he gets older he doesn't want to go to job and things like that, one of my concepts is that, you know, if I'm going to work and you're going to school, then I'm going to be just as tired as you are and you're playing sports, whatever. You've got some things that you have to do to keep the house in order, as well as I've got some things that I've got to do. So, and if you want to, on the weekend, if you call yourself, you want to go to a game or you want to go someplace else, then one of the things is that, hey, let's check to make sure that you've got what you're supposed to do done before you go out and moms have to make sure they they, they, they stay the course with that because boys can be very charming. They learn how to put that charm on a little, uh, really at an early age in terms of being able to persuade you to say, oh, mom, I'll do it later. But making your rules that, hey, if you've got some things that you're responsible to doing, you do those things before you're allowed to go and enjoy your weekend. So Yeah, I agree with you. My, my, boys, no. my boys had to do stuff too. And one of the ways that they learned certain things was I got tired of those late night, 10, 11 o'clock, oh, mom, I forgot, I need my uniform tomorrow. Oh, mom, I forgot my band shirt. Oh, mom, let me show you this thing in this laundry room right here. This one's called the washer. This one's called the dryer. Let me show you how they work because the fact that you forgot does not now make it my emergency. So in addition to the normal chores, because, again, like you said, everybody, we're a family. Everybody needs to contribute. I'm not the only one that needs to contribute. So they had chores to do. But then I taught them other things like, the laundry, taught them how to cook simple things mm-hmm. so that mm-hmm. they would, you know, not go hungry. They had to take turns, this is your week for the dishes, and then, you know, next week is your brother's week for the dishes, those kinds of things, because not only do they need to not be lazy and know how to take care of themselves, but I wanted to set proper expectations, and I wanted them to want to be with the woman, not to need to be with the woman because they could not take care of themselves. Now, it's Very interesting. Now, it's interesting that you said taking a grown, a real man takes care of his home, right? Mm-hmm. And and it's amazing how you all horned in on, and this is, this is how powerful God is, because God puts in a woman nurturing and, and, and caring. What, what he puts in a man is protecting and providing. So when yeah. you said a real man takes care of his home, immediately I went to he's paying his bills on time. He's bringing the money home. He's taking he's, Adding okay. the, he's break. You know what I mean? It's a different. Yeah. For me, I didn't. I didn't horn in on what dishes, washers, and beds being made up. I horned in on a real man wants to make sure his family has a roof over his head. Want to make sure that the kids have you know shoes and things of that nature. So it's amazing how God puts. We're wired differently. You with me? That is because so for true. me, that's mm-hmm. another, mm-hmm. another good reason why you need both parties to be involved in that child's life. Because, like you said, for us, you know, when I read keeps his house in order, we thought about one aspect. You thought about another. Both are a part of keeping your house in order, but they're two totally different mindsets coming from the two different genders. So, another reason why both genders need to be involved. That was good. So, so I'm four for four right now. Woo, you're on a roll. Let me see if I can get it's you hurt, five. It's hurting. Uh, it's hurting. Now I'm about to sit down for That's a minute. Right. This, this show's going to be over soon. Just hang with me. Okay, okay. Woo, I'm, loose, I'm using up a lot of bread sales. <laughs> and I need you to save some because you got a piece to leave with us tonight. So let me roll through okay. some of these others. So they're number six. And as I said, I don't, I'm not necessarily endorsing these, but their number six is take care of his appearance. I do think that's important. Um, you know, this this whole we won't even spend time on this whole generation of sagging because I know we're all of the same mindset when it comes to that. But knowing how to dress appropriately for different circumstances is is important. Makes his own fortune was number five. We've talked a little bit about that, and a fortune doesn't have to literally mean a fortune, but it does mean do you know how to to legally work so that you can provide food and finance your romance? The the phrase that Lois gave us earlier. Um, number four was strive to be a role model. Uh, number three, his word is his bond. Now, that's a good one. That's a good one right there. Are our young people, particularly the men, since that's the topic of today's show, 
are they do they have integrity are they honest um do they live up to their commitments are they responsible are they learning that your word is your bond you know back in the day people didn't even do contracts and things a handshake was good enough and now we can't operate like that so that was their number three um number two doesn't gossip and number one stays focused so staying focused is another thing that um can become a pet peeve. There's so many distractions out there in the world today. Do they jump from, you know, one activity to the next? Do they jump from uh, one girl to the next? Do they, you know, what what is really their focus, and are they able to stick to that focus? That, again, if we go back to the sports and the things that we talked about, that's one of the things that can help. How do you learn discipline? You know, when when your parents are not requiring you to do chores, do homework, you know, take care of the house, whatever the case might be, where are these people, are, are young people picking up discipline? Yeah. I think One the whole the concept of being focused, Linda, uh, uh, um, uh, is, is very, very important. And, and that means at an early, early age uh, teaching that child to complete a task. Okay. Yes. And some things as simple as making things keeping uh, keeping focus is just uh, completion or, or or going through something. For example, like with my boys and going to school, uh, there were very few times where they would miss school. They would get perfect attendance year after year after year because to me, I was implanting in them to see that hey, uh, you may have a cold, but when you get older and you've got a cold, you still got to go to work. Okay. So mm-hmm. you've got to go to school. So that's implanting in the mind of the focus, being able to to persevere. And that's one of the things that I I get concerned about our young men is that sometimes when they're confronted with challenges, um, because they haven't been able to stay focused and and push through it, even if they they may fail, a lot of our young boys have not been given the opportunity to fail and figure it out. Okay, yeah. uh, and there's a concept of fail, you know, and, and it's, as a parent, you, you know, you want to be around to be able to usher them through. But one of the things I've learned is that because they don't know how to recover from a failure when they're young, when they get older, that is something that really throws them off kilter when they're 19, 20. Um, they, they, because if mom has been there to pick them up, and brush them off all the time and not let them to be able to figure it out on their own when they're seven, eight, nine, ten, and some things as little as things, little things that they can make um, mistakes on and be able to recover from. So that goes in line with keeping them focused, keeping them, teaching them how to persevere. No, maybe it didn't work, but, hon, you'll figure it out. And then mom yeah. walk away and let them figure it out. Now, that's good. And so before Hank um, closes us out, and I'm going to ask him to say a few words before he goes into his piece, but first, Lois, I want to ask you this, because there are uh, mothers listening uh, who are raising sons. There are women out there who are contemplating getting pregnant, even though there is no real man in their life. Um, Two things I want you to, to quickly share with us. One would be what tip? or advice would you have for uh, mothers who are raising sons? Maybe we'll just leave it at that. What are, what are some things that you would suggest um, mothers who are raising sons? And then I do want the second one. The second one is to just answer the question, um, and from your perspective, can a woman effectively raise a man? I'll answer number two first, and I'll go back to number one. Okay. Um, I, I think that uh, because a woman is not a man, that there are just some things that that young man is going to not be able to to glean from you as a woman. Okay, um, I will not say I was successful in terms of raising my boys. I say we were successful, me and his father. Even though at an uh, an early uh, an early in their life, there was uh, the father decided not to be in the marriage, and so I was a single mother for the sixteen eighteen years and having to raise them. So. As a woman, you have to learn, goes back to the brother's comment, to love your child more than you dislike that father or that ex. So, so, so that's one concept there in terms of making sure that, that you're effective with that. Um, the other point, 
in terms of the most thing that I have to do in terms of raising, I had to yeah, make sure tips. that the, the tips, okay, the tips, godly principles, um, godly principles uh, in terms of raising. I had the concept that uh, these boys weren't mine. Uh, they were God's children, okay. And when I realized that these boys were not mine, they are God's children, and I have to usher them back to God. Um, and making sure that in my usher them back to God, that they are getting all the principles in life that God would want to be to grow up to be young Christian men. And if you keep that in concept and putting things in front of them and you in, in walking your life so that they can see pictures of being godly women and, and putting them around godly men, yeah, there may not be godly women and men all in their life all the time, but you want to be able to usher them in that direction. All right, cool. So, hey, I'm going to ask you in a second to answer those same two questions. Can a woman effectively raise a boy to be a man, and what tips would you give women? And then um, leave us with your piece. But first I just want to say to folks that it's, it's my desire to strengthen families by prescribing remedies for your relationship challenges. And so hopefully you have learned something from this conversation tonight. That's all we do is come together, have some good dialogue, throw in some data and some information, and hope that it makes a difference for you. So thank you for letting me speak into your life tonight. Hank? Well, I think to answer the question, yes, a woman can effectively raise uh, a man. We've seen it done for years. Um, I mean, for years, so that is not a question. Uh, I kind of go back uh, to the Bible, uh, and I can't remember which chapter it is, but I remember the two women, uh, one woman had a child. She rolled over on her child in the middle of the night. And um, and, she, and her, her baby died. She went and took the other woman's child and claimed it to be her own. They both both claimed the same child. Went before King Solomon and King Solomon uh, said, "I tell you, what do give me my sword and I and I chop the the child in half." The one mm-hmm. woman said, "Go ahead." The other woman said, "No, it's her child." And King Solomon, with all his wisdom, knew that the mother who was willing to give up her child was really the mother because who wasn't willing to allow her child to be hurt had to be the mother because the mother would give up her child, do anything to protect her child. Um, and I think that's the, 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 the message is what would you do to protect your child? What will you do? You know, you got to give them, give them every, everything, give up everything. You got to, like Laura said, you got to give them back to God. Let me back up and say, first of all, I know I was successful tonight because Laura's done quoted me on a couple of occasions. So when people start <laughs> quoting you, <laughs> when people start <laughs> quoting you, it's a, it's a good night. Instead of challenging you, they quote you. But, but again, all jokes aside, uh, you know, I think, you know, when you're willing to give up, uh, your child to God and 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 make the sacrifices that's needed uh, for that child, male or female child, to be successful. Then that's the good. That's a good. I know we're talking about mothers, but that's a good parent. You yeah. know, and, and parenting. You know, parenting. We do a lot of things that we did not plan to do. You know, I remember getting up, driving across town, and you know what Atlanta traffic could be like. And I, I would drive across town from Decatur to Gwinnett to take my school, my son to school in Atlanta, and I would have to sometimes find myself sleeping in the uh, my ex uh, yard, you know, her, um, in her uh, driveway because I knew I had to get there in enough time to get back, you know, to get him to school. So I mean, you know, we, we make sacrifices, and by no stretch of the imagination are we perfect because even our mistakes, but they were made with good intentions. Um, the piece that I'll close with uh, is a piece that's called I'm Mad, and, and I'm Mad. Mad is an acronym for making a difference, uh, and here's the piece. I'm mad, but I'm mad about a lot of things. I'm mad about more than iced tea and Skittles hands up or I can't breathe. You see, I'm also mad about black-on-black crime. I'm mad about all the kids fighting and dying over sneakers and young people killing each other over a dime. I'm mad at mothers leaving their young children at home alone and leaving them in hot cars, and I'm mad at men having to be held accountable to being fathers through legislation or law. I'm mad that we have to be encouraged to register and vote with all the blood that our ancestors shed. People like C.T. Vivian, Jiminy Jackson, John Lewis, and so many others were killed with billy clubs beaten over the head, or I'm mad. I'm mad that our churches are not what they used to be. I'm mad that a policeman can shoot and kill innocent black people and then walk away free. I'm mad that we don't eat at black restaurants and Lewis and shop at black stores. I'm mad that the people who came before us to help us get that corporate job. Not only do we not help someone else in, but behind us we lock the door. I'm mad that young ladies are getting pregnant without ever thinking about marrying the father. And I'm mad that young men are getting these young ladies pregnant and moving on to the next one like the last one was just a bother. 
I'm mad that adults or children don't say thank you or please. And I'm mad that we're not teaching our young boys work at this, like cutting grass and raking leaves. Or I'm mad that in Africa, little kids don't have shoes. And I'm mad that people like Clarence Thomas, Stacey Dash, oh yeah, and Charles Barkley don't have a clue. I'm mad that during Christmas time people can give gifts without ever saying Christ. I'm mad that homeless people won't get to walk right into the store and buy red bottoms, rims, and jewelry without even looking at the price. I'm mad that the Democrats and the Republicans both seem to be the same. Services being cut and deleted while Congress and Senate up on the Hill playing game. I'm mad that we're listening and dancing to music that degrade our women and that athletes won't band together for a civil rights cause. Don't they know they're more than what they do on a diamond turf or court running, throwing, or shooting a ball? I'm mad that men have chosen to sag over wearing a suit. I'm mad that we pick it in protests in our own communities that we burn and loot. I'm mad at cancer, and I wish cancer would get cancer and die. I'm tired of cancer taking our loved ones beyond the sky. I'm mad that parents can find time to do almost anything and everything and can't find time to go to a PTA meeting at their child's school. I'm mad that we're losing our history. By the way, I'm still waiting on my 40 acres and a mule. I'm mad that the Montgomery Boycott March on Washington and Selma all seem to have been for naught. All the civil rights leaders that were lost during that era, not to mention where Megan Malcolm and Martin were shot. I'm mad that we don't have a bill for the voters' right act. And we're not even talking about it, but let something happen to an entertainer on social media, it blows up how easily we distract. I'm mad, yeah, I'm mad, I'm mad, I'm so mad, I'm mad, I'm mad that each and every one of you all are not mad. How could you just sit there and if we're not careful, what we have will be what we had. When we keep on fighting and grinding, trying to live a life of substance, because Edmund Burke said it best, the only thing necessary for the triumph of evil is for good men to do nothing. But I'm still mad. Are you? If so, what are you going to do? Mad. Make a difference. Thanks for tuning in. And come back for more Relationship Remedies with Dr. Linda and Hank. Because it's all about you, it's all about me, it's all about us.